Okay, so this is part three. In part one, I got a bit of a rap over the knuckles because I, I have shiny penny syndrome. I love, I love doing lots of really cool shit, and I never do my homework properly. That's going to change. In part two, we talked about the idea of pulling everything apart, about how building a house means starting with a plan, with starting with a block of land and building it sequentially. And building a, building a, a block of, or building a house and a block of land is the analogy that Laura is using for building a list. This is the thing that really scares me, Laura, and I know a lot of people ask me about this. How do you build a list from scratch? Well, I think one one key thing I want to change in your verbiage, and this is where people make a mistake. Keith, you're not building a list. You're building a business. And the list is one component of the business. And that's why I keep redirecting you to your previous homework. Because if it's becoming about the list, then you're not learning the, the lesson that it's actually the list is secondary. If you don't have a business and you don't have clarity around your business, then you will feel like you are just drowning because you can't create the proper opt-in. You can't put the right information in front of people. You don't even know who the right people are if you don't establish the foundation for the business wow. first and then wow. build the list. Yeah, and that's and if you haven't listened to part two, you have to go and listen to part two first. The analogy of the idea that if you're going to build a house, don't start with the colors of the bathroom tiles and the paint in the second bedroom. Start with a block of land and make sure that it's level and build a foundation and get a really good blueprint and get a proper builder to build the house on a block of land and have it built sequentially. This is what you're teaching me, isn't it? Absolutely. If it's not done sequentially, then, you know, it's kind of like trying to, to bake a cake, right? If you're going to bake a cake and you throw the flour and, you know, a little bit of sugar and you put it in the oven and then you throw the eggs and the milk in afterwards, you're not going to get a cake. You did things in the wrong order. Yeah. So uh, separate to my um, my story, I want this to be a, a universal uh, teaching for others. Have you found that this idea of building a list, of building a business, of starting with the wrong and things in the wrong order is a common thing you come across in the coaching world and what learn lessons can we teach in general about uh, building a list and building a business that I can relate to but also other people can relate to? Yeah, you know, I think it really just encapsulates everything that we've talked about to this point. Have clarity around who your, your audience is. Do the keyword research before you get started to know that whatever it is that you're passionate about or that you want to create a business around, that there's even a need for it anyways. Once you identify, you've done your keyword research and you have identified that there's a need, then do the research to find out what the problems are that people are facing in that niche. And you may have to, you may have to really nicheify it down. What I mean by that is Twitter is a really big topic. Twitter for actors, Twitter for musicians, Twitter for college students. Those are all more refined niches. So mm -hmm. you've got to do the research to uncover the the more finite niche and determine what their struggles are. What can you help them with? Um, yeah. You know, yeah. maybe, you know, as an example, Keith, how about a Twitter cleanup program? 
How about when you've been on Twitter for three years with a private account because you only used it to tweet with your friends, but now you need to leverage it professionally? Should you update it? Should you cancel it? What are tips and tricks to learning that? So you kind of need to figure out first what is the foundation, who is the audience, what is the problem that they have or problems that they are facing, and what solution can I bring to the table? Then once you know who the people are, it's easy to figure out where to find them. You know where your demographic hangs out. You know which platforms they migrate to. You might not want to be selling to people on Twitter. Your target market might actually be people on Facebook who haven't yet yeah. branched into Twitter. That's actually a very, very, very sharp analysis there. I, I actually, My gut feeling is that people on Twitter are, are struggling with – some of them are struggling with Twitter. But a lot of people are not on Twitter mm-hmm. or they're not on it very often. And the people that really need Twitter are the ones that are not using it. Mm-hmm. So it's not no no point marketing to them in Twitter because they're not there. I've had that analysis for a while, but this idea of because you've mentioned three particular niches that could absolutely work for me: Twitter for musicians or Twitter for performers, Twitter for actors, and Twitter for college students. Now there's three niches because there's no T in niche. <laughs> there's two, three, these three niches that I could absolutely create opt-ins for, and you've suggested that you actually have different opt-ins for different products. You're not just the same generic page. No, it's never the same generic page, but, but you're still getting ahead of yourself. You're already creating an opt-in. You're already saying, hey, I've got something, so come sleep with me on the first date. Nobody oh. wants to sleep with you on the first date. They want to be courted. So yeah. the first thing to do is to be creating credible, helpful, educational, engaging content. And that doesn't mean you create the content. That can mean that you take an audio and you send it off to somebody on Odesk and you say, hey, turn this into three different bullet pointed, five points each, educational articles. Mm, The mm. other thing that you personally should do is you should stop doing your own blogging and you should hire somebody to do that that can make it more orderly because you know what you mean, but it doesn't translate as well because it's not laid out in a way that most people read. So this is actually a very, very good point. I, I use wordpress.org. It's bloody hard. And so I try to do my own blogging, but it always looks crap. Well, it's, it's hard for you because that's not your skill set. This is a perfect example of where you spend hours trying to create a blog post when really what you should have done is spent $5 to have somebody on Fiverr do it for you. Yep. And save Send yourself, them the basic outline. Set, save yourself hours of time. But my point being, it's not just about creating the opt-in. The opt-in you know, comes a, a, a little bit later. I always like to, to build some sort of an opt-in, even if it says coming soon. But really, the point in the opt-in initially is just to have something there to funnel people to if they want to click through. But that's not where I start. I start with creating great content. That's all you want to do, create great content. And create content that is going to engage your audience and other markets. So as an example, you might want to have a really stellar blog post created that says, um, 10 Twitter lessons from the top, top music accounts. And then it yeah, actually okay. has screenshots of great tweets from those 
the lesson that, that can be learned, a link back to them, and then you send them, you send each of those 10 accounts a tweet that says, love your, your you know, love your profile, featured you in one of my articles, just wanted to share. And I have rarely had a circumstance where people don't retweet when you're making an article about them. You're singing their praise. They want to retweet it. And now all of a sudden, your article about them is going to all of their audience as well. Yeah, that's but you've got to have a good, clean, attractive article and website before you even get started. Yeah. There's a lot of work here, and I, I, I'm, I'm so open, and I'm, I'm being transparent on purpose. And, and I, this is hard, Laura. This is hard for me. I'm putting my heart on the line here. It's not normally my style, but I'm hoping that the combination of things will happen. One is I'm going to learn a heap of stuff, but second of all, this, the fact that we're recording it is very useful. Mm-hmm. So we, we're talking about the idea of a, a, an email list. What about picking up up on the shiny pennies because this is the way I live my life I mean I live my life based on inspiration and I have a bit of trouble doing the hard yards but if what happened this week and I want to pull this apart because I really think this is a good example of what I do and what could work on Monday of this week I had a chat with someone who said you know what I would really like to translate your materials into Spanish now how can that be a distraction now that that Potentially is not, but here's where you need to take that and you need to say, okay, how do I make this a win for me? So if somebody wants to translate my materials to Spanish, do they want to do it because they want to sell my materials or because they simply just want to make free things like these types of of calls available in the Spanish market? Mm, mm, So, mm. So that's the first thing, like what's their intent? And second off, you want to say, okay, is this somebody that actually has a whole lot of contacts in the Spanish community? Is it a situation where if they translate my materials, that then they not only have the opportunity to sell and promote them, but they have other relationships that could layer on that selling mm-hmm. and promotion? Mm-hmm. So, so I, and I had shared with you previously that I absolutely had one of my previous products um, translated to Spanish. Somebody approached me. He wanted to, he was willing to do all the work. Um, In fact, he didn't even change out the videos. He just did Spanish voiceovers over my videos. Wow. And then what I did with him is I just gave gave him a higher um, split than I would normally do. Yeah. Because he's doing all the work and he's opening up He's opening me up to a market that I otherwise would not have been in. So I felt it was only fair um, to give him a a really, really large piece of the pie. Mm. Because it's, you know, 70% or 30% of something is better than 100% of nothing, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah. So um, I think it all comes back to this idea of being strategic. Mm -hmm. I've got an idea. Someone came to me and said, I think it would be lovely if we translated your materials into Spanish. I know heaps of them. I'm, I'm, you know, she's from Venezuela, and, but she lives in Melbourne, and I met her you know, on a networking event on Friday. But the trouble I have is this idea of whether or not things are, because they're exciting, they're a good idea, or whether or not. I think the hardest thing to work out is if something's exciting but not a good idea, how do I stop doing it? Yeah, so I think that's a really good point. So 
I think for you, let's let's test this. You know, for everybody, this is a little bit different. But I think maybe something that would be really good for you is whenever you have a good idea, I don't want you to act on it. I don't want you to research it. I don't even want you to do one little Google search because then you fall down the hole, the rabbit hole. Mm-hmm. When you have an idea, when you have something that, that's an inspiration to you, I want you to start a document, whether it's Word, whether you add it as a to-do on Wonderlist, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. and I want you to just put it in there, just one item. And then the next day, I want you to re-review them. Yeah, okay. And then I want you to do one more thing. I want you to intentionally calendar... 60 minutes a day to review the list from the day before, which is why something like Wonder List might be good for you because you could start a new list every day so that you can review the list from the day before. I don't want you to get distracted looking at two days before and three days before, only the day before. And give yourself one hour and that's it. And if in that one hour, You have to decide, I want to look at this, or I want to look at that, or I'm going to evaluate whether or not they're strategic. And at the end of that hour, when that timer goes off, you stop. No more going down the rabbit hole. Because you have to find a way to hold yourself accountable. The problem is that you're always researching, you're always investigating, you're always having fun, but you're never taking the action that will turn into dollars. That I think that is probably the essence of my business model and why... Some of my products haven't worked. Some of them have. I want, to, I, want to be, I want to acknowledge that some of my products have worked. I'm not a complete failure. I mean, I need to tell myself that. Mm-hmm. I need to tell myself that because some days I feel like a complete failure. I can tell you that because we're mates and we're being completely transparent. But I'm not a complete failure. And some of my products have worked. And that's why the homework assignment of going back through to identify what worked is so critical because – It's also about you not only re-energizing yourself, but you seeing the inspiration in your own work Mm. instead of Mm. it coming from other people. Yeah, that's good. Jeez, that's good. Okay, so I'm I'm really going to commit to the idea of pulling apart the the 10 programs I've done before. I'm absolutely going to use this idea of I haven't I've heard you talk about this. I've never tried it. Wonder list that can be my homework. I've got to get better. I've got to get better at doing the hard yards, eating the frog, so to speak. There's got to be a vegetarian equivalent of that, and not getting distracted by the shiny pennies. 